Welcome to Manager Tools. A different feedback model question. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. Is there a different way to ask to give feedback? Do I have to use the word feedback? Why do I have to ask to give feedback? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. This week's cast is about the feedback model, which is included in the rollout of the Trinity, of course. And you can make that rollout a great deal easier by becoming a licensee, and all licensees get access to Roadmap, our brand new application, which allows you to roll out one-on-one's feedback coaching delegation over time, and Roadmap takes care of every step along the way, reminds you where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it, and you can ask us questions the entire time along the way. Check out Roadmap at managertools.com. Here's one of these questions we get all the time, and I, I don't know why. I've, I've, I'm sure you do know why, but folks get hung up on the word feedback for whatever reason. Folks just, at least in the beginning, just like, do I have to say that? Do I have to say, can I give you some feedback? Can't I say something else? You know, Look, we do understand it. Um, well, I totally understand it. And yet, I have to tell you that if you look at the entirety of the data, there's just no doubt that it's way better to ask first. It works great. But there's really two parts to your question. Do I have to ask and do I have to say the word feedback? And the answer, of course, at one level is no, you don't, you don't have to do either of those things. You can do whatever the heck you want. But if you're interested in being more effective in the long run, if you're willing to go over a little bit of a hurdle, the McGuire hump of the horseman curve, for those of you longtime listeners, you'll absolutely be better off by asking. Although there's no magic in the word feedback, as we've said many times before. Um, so there's other ways to ask. And I've been testing one with some loyal licensees and friends, and um, I'm absolutely confident that we can recommend that you can say, I have something to discuss with you. Do you have a minute? Um, so let's do this for this cast. First, why we ask. Uh, second, the actual ask. I have something or some things or something to discuss with you. Do you have a minute? And then just a quick reminder that if, in fact, you start using this phrase, works great, you can only use that phrase for feedback. So you can't use that phrase for all kinds of interjections uh, with your directs and only some of the time use it to indicate that you're about to talk to them about their performance. And I'll explain why that's important in the course of the cast. Okay, so let's let's get right to it. So let's start off with the, the first thing, which is why ask at all? Why do we ask? Yeah, and like I said before, for most managers or for, for many managers, not most, there are two hurdles to get over regarding the MT feedback model, assuming you've decided you're going to give performance communications to your directs. I don't think you can call yourself a professional manager if you don't, but hey, maybe you just made to chose that, that path. One of those hurdles is having to ask at all, you know, why can't I just give them feedback? I'm the boss. And the other one is our most common recommendation for asking, which is can I give some feedback? And our goal with this particular bit of guidance is to keep whittling away at the height of those hurdles. We only recommend things that we believe are doable because we recommend behavior, but we don't recommend things that are so complex that we only think 1% of the world will do them. We want the hurdle to be a little bit smaller. We would love for there to be no hurdle at all. Uh, but if there were no hurdle at all, you wouldn't need this podcast to be 
more effective. Once you get over the hump of learning the new behavior and saying something different that you're not used to saying, you'll be angry that you're now in the land of milk and honey and you wish you had been there before and you wish you had fought harder to get over the hump. It's just like going to the gym for a few weeks and you hate it and you hate it and you hate it and then your body gets addicted to it and you think, man, why did I tolerate myself being overweight or unfit or whatever? So that, that's that been my experience. Okay. So there are two reasons why our feedback model starts with asking directs if we can give them feedback. For those of you who don't know, our model sounds like this. Hey, can I give you some feedback? Or in other words, step one, we ask, hey, can I give you some feedback? Hey, can I share something with you? Hey, uh, can I make an observation? Hey, can we talk about what just happened? Hey, can I have a word? Next thing is when you do X and the do X is a behavior, words people say, how they say them, facial expressions, body language, or work product. And work product is quality, quantity, accuracy, timeliness, documentation, and in some cases, safety. You say when you do X, the next step is step three, describe what happened. Here's what happens. When you're late, I worry about you. When you're ahead of schedule, it saves me time. When you're under budget, it makes it easier for me to balance my budget. When you catch an error in my work, it saves me embarrassment with boss. Steps two and three are the heart of the model. And step four is either in the event of positive feedback, thank you, please keep it up, well done. Or step four is, can you work on that? Can you change that? Can you improve that? What could you do better? What could you do differently next time? Right. And if you want more details on the feedback model, we have a couple of podcasts. A couple? On the feedback. 40? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Every variation, every possible pushback you get from your folks, we have podcasts on. So Yes, because I've heard it almost all before. I don't want to say all because 20 years from now, I'll have learned some more. Um, and if you want to make it easy to find those casts, there's a couple of things you can do to iTunes or any of your other podcast listening sites and download the Manager Tools basic feed. It does include one-on-ones and coaching and delegation, but it also includes feedback. Uh, talk about the basic feedback model, or you can come to managertools.com where there's numbers of places you can find the podcast about feedback. Probably the easiest place in terms of categorization is our map of the universe, for which there's a, an icon on the homepage. Um, you click on that, and it'll take you to a categorized list of all the topics. And in the case of feedback, it would be under management, the Trinity. Uh, and when you click on that node, up pops a list of subnodes, the second of which, or third of which, is feedback. Click on that, and then you'll have the basics and a bunch of other topics. And if you click on feedback, if the Trinity, feedback, and basics, there's probably five or six casts in there, in addition to 20 or 30 more on other topics as well. We get a lot of questions about feedback, and we try to answer all of them. Okay. So we ask if we can give them feedback, and there are two reasons for that. One is because we're talking about something important, performance, there's very few things that are more important than that other than ethics. Uh, because we're talking about something important, we want our communication to be effective. Okay. No sense in talking about something important and being lazy about it or being inefficient or ineffective. And then the second reason is in order to help us achieve the purpose of the conversation or the purpose of the feedback. Okay. Let's start with effective communication. We've said many, many times that communication is what the listener does. What that means is it doesn't really matter what you're thinking 
what you're saying or even what the listener hears. What matters is what the listener thinks she hears. In other words, you've got an idea in your head. You want to get in the other person's head. You want to get it as close into their head as close to identical as the idea in your head. And yet, the communication channel that it goes through makes it very, very hard for that to be done. And one of the challenges of communication is the speaker is responsible for the communication, the person who's talking, but the listener ultimately controls the result of the communication. I hate that. I know. <laughs> it is true. It, is, it makes it difficult. It's why control freaks have high blood pressure. If you're talking, but the person you're addressing isn't paying attention, what are the chances your message is getting across, right? It's, they're not. And you could prove this in your own experience by that feeling you get when you're speaking to someone else and you're talking. And while you're talking, they reach for their phone and do something on it. And then they make it worse by going, yeah, uh-huh, sure, okay, got it, yeah. All the while texting. It's as if their thumbs don't require any mental involvement is all at all, which sometimes if you look at people's text messages, you say, wow, that didn't require any thought at all. <laughs> so if we're talking to our direct, as busy as everyone professes themselves to be, we want to make sure they hear what we're saying. I mean, even think about this. Suppose you want to talk about something fairly routine. Do you ever just walk up to your direct's desk and just start talking? Immediately get into your point indiscriminately? You don't have any introduction at all, some brief greeting, something? And the answer is no. You segue into what you're talking about. So if we're not just launching into our regular, boring, run-of-the-mill topics without some sort of intro, why would we want to not have some specific intro, some clear intro, some this is actually a particularly special conversation? For something important like performance communication. So that's the reason why we ask is to get the direct's attention. And we ask using only phrases that the direct associates with performance communications. And the only way they would know those questions, can I give you some feedback? Can I share something with you? Hey, uh, I have something to share with you. Do you have a minute? The only way they'll know that is if you brief them first. We also have a podcast called Never Introduce a Change to How You're Going to... Actually, I don't think it's called this, but the law associated with it is never introduce a change to how you're going to manage without first taking the time to introduce that change. Meaning, always brief your people before you're going to change the way you lead and manage them day to day, week to week. So the first step of the model, asking, is in design to get the clear attention of our directs about the importance of what we're going to talk about, about performance. And that's just being effective. That's all it is. Right. Now, the second thing you mentioned was the purpose of the conversation. So what, what is the purpose? If you gave me a list of the top 20 ideas that Manager Tools has either initiated or championed with the most managers in the world, this would be in the list. The real purpose of feedback is so often lost in 99% of exchanges between manager and direct, that we've learned, we at Manager Tools have learned that you have to work very hard to get it right. If you haven't been taught what we're about to share with you, and if you've been listening a long time, you understand this intuitively, you take it for granted now, but if you're a relatively new, new listener, what I'm about to say is going to surprise you. So much so that anything Mike and I and everybody else here can do 
to make clear this point is going to be important because you have to understand why you're talking to the direct and what you're talking to them about for you to be effective in doing so. So the example we use at conferences all the time, imagine that it's now noon on a given day and you discover maybe through an email, maybe through a report, maybe through a dashboard, maybe through a Slack message, a text message, maybe you get a voicemail, maybe somebody mentions it to you in passing, maybe you're in a meeting and you overhear it. But at 10 o'clock in the morning, you discover that one of your directs did something. Either good or bad, it doesn't matter. Okay. We'll probably use the example of the bad one um, because it's easier for people to emotionally relate to. And what most of us do is we ask ourselves at noon, oh, okay, my direct made a mistake in the event of preparing for negative feedback. What should I say to them about the mistake? How should I talk to them about their mistake? What can I do about their mistake? And you actually go through what tone you're going to use and and, uh, how you're going to talk to them and so on. And often for managers, there's a bit of frustration associated with that. And one of the lessons I try to teach folks I coach is that a manager with frustration talking to a direct is equivalent to a peer with anger. You think that you're expressing frustration, but your frustration with your role power on top of it makes it anger. Keep that in the back of your mind. But here's the mistake. If you think to yourself, I'm going to go talk to them about their mistake, the moment you say that, the moment that's your approach, you're doomed. It almost always fails because the only reasonable purpose for talking to a direct about their performance is to encourage effective behavior in the future. If you've ever given performance communications, something you decide to talk to your direct at noon about a mistake they made at 10 in the morning, if you've ever given what you thought was that performance communication and had it backfire, there were some recriminations involved, the direct got defensive, there's a very good chance that your direct's interpretation of your purpose was wrong or that their interpretation of your purpose was right and your purpose was wrong. They thought you were talking to them about the past and your directs can do nothing to change the past. They can only defend what they did in the past. And therefore, well, no surprise, they, they sound defensive to you. Yeah. And you don't want them to defend it, right? No, because, well, here, more importantly, we don't care. Look, I'll give you a terrible case. One of your directs does something so bad, you decide you're going to fire them. Let's take the ultimate example. The moment you decide to fire them, yes, what they did is germane, but the conversation you're going to have is going to be about their future, firing them. The fact that they don't learn a lesson is irrelevant to you because they won't be here anymore. In fact, you hope they don't learn the lesson and go to work for one of your competitors. (laughs) Evil man. Yeah. So the purpose of feedback, since we can't change what happened at 10 in the morning, why would we talk about it at noon? Well, somebody would say, well, I'm angry. Okay. Let's assume for a moment you're angry. Great. Okay. And let's assume for a moment that anger is justified toward your direct. Let's let's just ignore the laws of managerial physics. If you're going to express that anger at your direct, I'm assuming that's what you're going to do. 
let's say you yell at the direct. I mean, I've done this before for groups and they all laugh. I'm going to pretend to yell at Mike, folks, as if he made a mistake. I'm going to use a particularly common phrasing. Um, and I'm going to let you mentally fill in the word that I leave out. Mike, I can't believe you were so stupid. Don't you dare ever do that again. And the whole point of me yelling at Mike is about the future. I'm venting him about the past. I'm focused on the past. He thinks I'm talking to him about the past. But in fact, because I'm not insane, I know that ultimately all my anger is designed to motivate him to change in the future. Unless, of course, I decide to fire him. Yeah. And the question is, is that the best motivation? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, we have ample evidence that it's not. But now, man, a lot of managers won't agree with us because their definition of motivation is what makes me feel good. Yeah. That's a, that's a personal maturity thing. Right? Yes, it is. Very much. As we like to say, professional maturity includes personal maturity. Okay. And this is made worse in the modern world. We're recording this in 2017. Present approaches to feedback that have been made popular are doomed by this fundamental misunderstanding of what performance communications are about. You surely, a lot of you have listened, uh, you've read or heard a lot about the need to, quote, understand why you're directed what they did. Let's sit down with them. Let's talk to them about their motivations. The people who are telling you this are wrong. I used to say worse things. They're wrong. They're not actually managers. They might be pundits talking about management. They might be journalists, by the way. Journalism is one of the worst managed industries in the world. I've never met an editor who's a really, really good manager. And yet they write about management and they say what seems to work because it appeals to their simplistic views of how the world should be as opposed to the way the world is with corporate politics and role structure and hierarchy and experience and so on. And there's an awful lot of people today that say the most important thing an organization should do is serve society. And I laugh and say, well, of course that's true. And the organization exists to serve society through the distribution and sale of its products and services. That's what the organization does. And so when people say, oh, you know, you need to understand what you're why you're directed what they did. No, you don't. In fact, we have a cast called There Is No Why in Feedback. If, in fact, you give your direct time to talk to you about why they did something, they feel like they're getting a chance to balance out your criticism because you're now talking about the past. They're essentially defending their approach. You then have to win an argument with them about how they were wrong. But in fact, in many cases, all of their rationales are right. And if you think your directs can't possibly have had good reasons for a mistake they made recently, ask yourself what kind of reasons you had for the last mistake you made. And of course, you had good ones. We all do, even directs. So if the purpose of feedback is to encourage effectiveness in the future, and it can be, it can only be, even if you yell, like the point I made, what we're talking about when it comes to feedback and performance communications is what our direct will be doing in the future. Yeah, we're going to mention the past, sure. But the purpose of the conversation is to encourage the future. For positive feedback, the purpose is more of the same, please. And for negative feedback, the purpose of the conversation is to encourage different future behavior. That's all. And here, here's the linchpin of all this. If the purpose of the conversation revolves around our direct future behavior, 
Shouldn't we make absolutely sure that our direct is ready to listen and talk since what we're talking about is their behavior, which we don't control, only they control their own behavior? Yeah, and this is a point that surprises folks the first time they hear the feedback model, which is we ask them. And if they say no, like we walk away, like we don't give it to them. They're like, what? What? Yeah. Well, the example, if Mike's my boss and he says, come to me and say, hey, can I give you some feedback? And I say, no, I'm sorry, I'm late for a meeting. That doesn't mean that I'm against the idea of talking about my future performance. Again, notice their future performance, which Mike and I are both responsible for, but I'm the one who controls it and Mike only influences it if he's my boss. It says I'm late for a meeting and now's not a good time. And if you chose to give me feedback right now when I'm worried about being late and being locked out of this particular project management meeting I have to go to every week, I'm not listening to you. Then again, if Mike wants to talk when I'm not listening, he can check off the box that he gave me feedback. It won't be very effective. It won't be very useful. It won't matter. But hey, Mike can say he did it. If that makes Mike an effective manager, I'm a munchkin. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. What if I just uh, had a fight with my wife and I'm my head is just like, I can't, I can't hear what anybody is saying. Like, yes. really, do you, as my boss, do you want to be giving me feedback? If you just got a text from your direct who said, you know, or if your direct just got a text from their kids and you say, hey, got a minute for some feedback? Hey, I have something to share with you. Do you have a minute? And the direct says, I don't. I got to text my kids back. I just got a weird text from one of them. Okay, no problem. When you get a minute, come see me. Or if not, not the end of the world. Yeah. So if you're one of those managers that think in those conditions, you should be able to give or you should give feedback to your directs, well, God help you because we can't. Yeah, exactly. So the reason we ask before giving feedback is for the direct, our direct, to knowingly choose to be part of the conversation since they're the one that's doing the communication. If they say no, we walk away. If they say yes, they're saying that they're ready to think about and talk about their future behavior. Pretty simple. Without consent, our data show really good chances that if you talk to directs, they won't hear what we have to say. And you guys all know this, your role power is alone is not enough to make directs magically good listeners or to make yourself suddenly a massively great communicator. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> all right. So surprise, surprise, you convinced me. I mean, I'm convinced that I probably should ask <laughs> about giving feedback before I do so. So let's get to the one of the main points of this cast is do do I do I have to say can I give you some feedback? Yeah. So regarding the word feedback, I I think it's safe to say I always tell this at every client or every public conference public conferences that I used to attend and client conferences that I still do today somewhat and somewhat on a limited basis. I always tell them I've given more feedback using the managerial feedback model than all of you in this room put together. And in 99% of the cases, I've used the word feedback and look at me, I'm fine. And this goes to a little bit about professional maturity and professional development. Uh, and I have to say this quite often to, to people, you don't get paid for being comfortable. You get paid for being effective. And when I hear people say, I just don't like it. It's one thing if you prefer Chrome to Safari or some other browser. It's one thing if you prefer Slack to instant messaging or text messages. Okay. That's a personal choice. Although, by the way, if your organization uses Slack, I wouldn't want you to be the one. I wouldn't want to be the one that says, nah, I'm not a Slack guy. But when it comes 
to managing, when it comes to professional behavior, there are some parameters around your ability to make your own choices. And in general, if you want a job that pays a million bucks a year and you only have to work two or three days a week, all those jobs are taken. Actually, they don't don't exist. I actually had a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force who was leaving the Air Force years ago. And he said to me, he says, Mark, I, you know, you just need to put me in front of some companies and I tell them how good I am and it'll be fine. I said, well, okay, well, what do you want to do and where do you want to do it? He says, it doesn't really matter. He said, I just need a staff of about 10 or 15 and they can give me virtually any job and enough budget that I need and I should be able to get anything done. I said, yeah, I don't know any jobs like that. He says, oh, they're out there. You know, I just got to get in front of him. And he laughed at the conversation. And this guy came up to me afterwards, a friend of mine, and said, that guy didn't realize when he was a commander in the Air Force that the Jeep that showed up at the house every morning to take him to work was not for him. It was for the commander. He just happened to be in the role at the time. And if you think you can get away with just doing what's comfortable, you're always going to be performing at a lesser rate. In fact, I remember a a year or two ago, Mike, when Marissa Mayer, who used to be at Google, went to be the CEO of Yahoo. One of the things she went on on a panel and they asked her about, you know, why she had a successful career. And she made some comments about performance. And then she also said, and I took jobs that I thought were a stretch that I didn't think I could do. And I think she recounted a particular instance where she took a job in Germany and she didn't speak German. And she had to go into the grocery store and she had to kind of be laughed at and feel uncomfortable in that she couldn't order, I think she was trying to order cold cuts and she couldn't do it because she didn't know German well enough. And the point of that story is she chose to be aware of her discomfort and she chose to fight through the discomfort in order to be more effective. So if you don't want to use the word feedback, that's okay. Although it's interesting that I chose the Mr. Mayer story because in fact, as you probably remember, Mike, uh, when we were in Freising, Germany years ago with a client of ours, the client said, we don't like saying Konig geben Sie feedback. And I laughed and said, well, that's okay, Tomas, because the German word for feedback is Konig geben Sie Rückmeldung. And he said, oh, no, that's a worse word. We'll just keep using the American word of feedback. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't like it when I first started using it, but I, I used it because it was in the service of analytics or, or, or in science. I was part of the survey I was doing to see what would happen. And I was shocked at how good a results I got when, in fact, I was uncomfortable. And then, of course, somebody said, dude, You get more fit and lose weight when you go to the gym, and the gym is not about laying around and being comfortable. And I went, yeah, I could have, I slapped my forehead. I could have had a V8. So there's a lot of common ways. You don't have to use the word feedback. If you, if I still haven't convinced you, uh, then you can say, can I, can I share something with you? Can I have a word? Can we talk about what just happened? All of those are fine. They work just fine. And there are many more besides. But here's another one. What's the purpose of this cast? I have something to discuss with you. Do you have a minute? Now, somebody asked me when I mentioned this cast, they said, oh, well, would I have to say that if I was in a one-on-one? And I said, what do you mean? Would you have to say that? Are you saying that you'd want to use, can I give you some feedback outside of the one-on-one and you'd use this in the one-on-one? He says, no, no, no. What I mean is if I decide that that's my phrase, that's great. 
but suppose I'm in a one with you, Mark, one-on-one with you, Mark, and I'm your boss, and it's time for me to give you some feedback, positive or negative. And I say, yeah. Do I have to say, I have something to discuss with you? Do you have a minute? If, in fact, we're in a one-on-one, and by definition, you have a minute, and of course, the one-on-one is about having something to discuss with you. And my answer is, no, you don't have to use this phrase if you feel this phrase is not apropos of the one-on-one, but I'm not telling you that in a one-on-one, I don't recommend, or I recommend you don't have to ask in order to, as we said before, to set off that we are now about to talk about something more important than just progress and policies and procedures and questions and updates and so on. We're actually, I'm going to give you feedback about your performance so we can talk about your future behavior. And I don't want this to get lost in the noise the way many other things get lost in the noise for all of us when we go to meetings after meetings after meetings, day after day after day after day. Now, I understood his point. It does seem a little weird to say, hey, I have something to discuss with you. Do you have a minute? But I will tell you, everything I've learned about giving feedback tells me that any awkwardness about using this phrase in a one-on-one is less than the awkwardness of saying, can I give you some feedback? Even if you've briefed your people, it'll still feel a little weird, a little awkward. Uh, And so therefore, if in fact you like this phrase outside of the one-on-one, I would recommend you use this phrase inside the one-on-one because that would absolutely get the direct's attention that you're about to talk about their future behavior and future performance. And by the way, let me just give you some additional feedback about the data I got back from the field. Some of the testers that I asked to use this said that it felt a little more formal or negative than some of the others, like, can I have a word or can I share something with you? I actually don't believe that if you're choosing, can I share something with you? Because it's a little softer. If it works for you, great, then please use it. But for me personally, I don't like it when somebody potentially says, can I share something with you? Because they want to soften it. And then it's negative feedback and the pain comes to me later. I would rather get that over with early and go over that hump right away, which is to some degree, much like what we're asking you to do if you're not doing this now, do it 20 times and you'll discover this is no big deal. And why did I ever think that the McGuire hump was all that big a deal? I mean, Dan McGuire's a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the McGuire hump doesn't have to be as big. I, I think I read somewhere something that life is like being in a car, driving on a road, a straight road, leading into a gigantic mountain range of problems and issues and so on. But somehow when you look in the rear view mirror, they were just tiny, tiny speed bumps. So that's kind of what I feel like here. But but some people say, eh, it sounds a little bit more formal, a little bit more negative. I actually like that again. I prefer to set off the performance communication piece because I happen to be a believer in all organizational performance is basically individual performance aggregated and synthesized. But they also said once they started using it, the directs realized that was just another entry question to the model and it was no big deal. And to be clear, to go back to what I just said, alluded to a little bit ago, in all of our research we've ever done, there's almost no starting the feedback model questions that you can ask that don't create some tension among your directs, at least initially. If you're having that experience, you're normal. That's completely normal, okay? And there are people who say, well, that's a weakness of the model or delivery. You know, they'd prefer to be comfortable. There's other data which shows something different, okay? 
despite the fact that asking first increased attention, this is the point I was making poorly a few minutes ago, despite the fact that asking increased at first increased attention, the tension went nearly completely away once the new model was frequently used by the manager. And the tension was still less overall reported by directs than any other delivery effort, random or otherwise. And go further, repeated use of the model caused, caused significant percentages of directs to ask for more feedback, but only in the model, while not a single case of the behavior, that behavior was noted with any other approach. That's why we recommend asking first, because all of our data say it's far superior to anything else. Now, if you want to make a million bucks and work three days a week, you can't do that. Um, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And I've said that a lot, and every once in a while people in the field ask me, what does that mean? It means heaven, in the human vernacular, regardless of your spiritual belief, heaven is a land of perfection and beauty and joy and unending happiness. You can't pay a nickel and get into heaven. Uh, that's why there's a the phrase, heaven knows how to put a price on its goods. If you want perfection, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you the hard work of achieving perfection. In fact, I think a lot of people who have achieved beauty say, actually, the beauty that's the outcome is nothing compared to the beauty I felt as I was creating it and realized it was going to be created. That joy that I felt in the process of creation is essentially embodied there, but I still can hold on to it. And so I've actually created joy in the world, not just for other people, but for me as an engine for further creation. But look, if, if you want to get high performance out of people, you've got to be willing to talk about their performance. Uh, some people are naturally gifted at it and don't need our model. But as we like to say, 90, our guidance is for 90% of the managers 90% of the time, meaning that 80% of all managerial scenarios are going to cover by, be covered by manager tools at some point. And he, here's something else I'll share regarding the tension of feedback, which generally is, a, is alluded to or suggested by the data. The more you give feedback, the less tension will accompany it. The more positive feedback you give, the less tension there will be. The better relationship you have with the direct, which we're not talking about today, the less tension there will be. Directs don't have tension around the manager tools feedback model initial question. They have tension around feedback, which they show when you ask the question. Once you teach them, that the way you're going to handle feedback and performance communications is professional and respectful and not attacking and not negative and not frustrated, and it's about their future, and it's frequent and small, as my friend Matt Bentliff says, sooner and smaller, not larger and later. Once you do that, the tension around feedback goes away. And when they leave you and go to some other manager who doesn't use our model, they'll write you an email and say, I wish I was still working for you. And I'm just going to mention something else about this particular example. One of the great benefits of asking for only a minute, again, I have something or some things to share with you. Do you have a minute? If you only ask for a minute and you use our feedback model correctly, it's only going to take 15 seconds. So you end up not doing the thing where you ask for a minute and take 10 and then people feel like they've got a bait and switch. Yeah. And people love 15 minute conversations about their negative behavior, right? I mean, that's, that's like Dude, I got told this when I was a boss, I got told, I don't like the way you respond when I come in and sit down. I said, I I'm not, I'm not at all responding to you coming in and sitting down. My door is open. In fact, if you'll notice, 
I took my door off its hinges. I don't have an open door policy. I have a no door policy. In fact, I got in trouble for that. But as Mike will tell you, I don't, I don't mind getting in trouble uh, in the service of higher performance. But people would come in and say, hey, do you have a minute? And I'd look down at my watch and they'd say, sure. And they'd come in and they'd sit down. And I'd say, why are you sitting down? Because you said you had a minute. I said, yeah, but if it was only a minute, you don't have to sit down. That's the whole definition of one versus 10, whether they sit down or not. Now, if you'd asked me for 10 minutes, I'd have said no. I will in 20 minutes, but not right now. And if you ask me for a minute, take a minute. No problem. I can tolerate a minute. Like right now, though, I can't tolerate 10. Yeah. And they said, I don't, I don't like the fact that you don't have 10 minutes for me. I do. I just don't have 10 minutes whenever you want it. I don't. Nor do you for me. I don't walk into meetings you're in and say, do you have a minute? They said, well, that's different. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So you convinced me um, there are other phrases that can be used. But just to be clear here, you don't get to change your phrase every other time you use it or try to, to throw one up and surprise your folks, right? Well, no, no, no. You, you can use a number of different phrases as long as those questions, those phrasing, phrased questions are only used to introduce feedback and you've told them it would be an example of something you would use. This is a well-known caveat for those of you who are well-versed in our model. If you're going to use some phrase to set a stage to introduce performance communications, you can't use that phrase to lead into other conversations unrelated to performance comms. Otherwise, your directs are going to assume that what you're about to talk about isn't as big a deal as their performance. And then either they'll be surprised by feedback coming to them, they'll be more surprised by negative versus positive, or we'll be sending a message that they might be able to not totally focus on this conversation if they discover that it's not performance comms related. Good. Okay. So multiple phrases, okay. As long as those phrases are used to introduce feedback and only for yes, introducing feedback. Exactly. I mean, it's a silly example. But imagine a picture of a person asking another person to wed them, to marry them. The classic example of that is going down on one knee, okay? Imagine now two people standing outside of a university or an office building, let's say on the apron of an office building, uh, you know, and one of them says to the other, I have something really important I need to ask you. Let's say, in fact, there are a couple. And the other one says, okay, what? And then the first one gets down on one knee. There's not that many people in the world who will say, oh, I have no idea what's happening here. If that person then were to say, do you want to go get a cheeseburger? I suspect the person standing up might slap him in the face. Maybe, just maybe. In other words, there are some va there's some value to the optics and the intro and how you communicate in addition to what you communicate. Look, we love this introductory question, but again, only if you don't use it as an intro for something else. But again, can I give you some feedback? Can I share something with you? Can I make an observation? Can I have a word? All of those are good. And again, remember, make sure you make time to brief your directs and make sure they know that this is one of the questions you might use. It works well. I, I recommend you add it to your repertoire. See what happens. Management is not about perfection. It's about improvement. And you can set a goal of perfection as long as you're smart enough to know that perfection doesn't exist on this earth. The problem with feedback isn't that directs don't respond well to it. The problem with feedback is we managers don't do it enough to help them get comfortable with it. If this question helps you get more comfortable with it, then I'm glad we put out this guidance. 
All right, my friend. I enjoyed that. Thank you. That was fun. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long. 